mirror image of your life, really, isn't it? Car journey in a bank holiday. First 50-odd miles on the go all the way, a sense of direction, bowling along. Get past 60, everything slows down to a sudden crawl. And you realize you're not going anywhere anymore. All the things you thought you were going to do that never came to anything. And you can't turn the clock back. One-way traffic just gradually grinding to a complete halt. Same for everyone, I suppose. Suppose. And you just have to try and make the best you can of it. Mm -hmm. oh, God, I'm bloody ravenous now. I can't last a moment longer. It's no good. I'm afraid there's only one thing for it. We'll have to eat Mrs. Warboys. <laughs> Welcome back to Hooing Company. It's episode 77. I'm Brent. And I'm Drew. This month's guest is a staple at Doctor Who conventions. Ian McCann joins the company to discuss his Doctor Who origin story, observations on conventions at home and abroad, and what he'd like to see for the 60th. Then we walk through the back garden and knock on the door to discuss Ian's pick of the month, the long-running British sitcom One Foot in the Grave. It's not as spooky as it sounds, but still appropriate for this time of year. What was the show's appeal? And just how many Doctor Who actors can we spot? And please take note, there are some huge spoilers for the finale of this series, so you may want to skip ahead a couple of minutes when you get to that part, or just watch the entire series on BritBox in North America or on BBC iPlayer in the UK, and come back and listen. It's worth it. And all that's coming up right after this. There's a bloke we can't stand any longer Always on the bleeding moan Every time we mend his bloody Honda He's back rousing on the phone First we fixed his car's ignition Checked his brakes and clutch And then overhauled his whole transmission he just brought it back again it's a meldrew it's a meldrew he can stick it up his mind he can plug it off to this month's guest is a Renaissance fan who has contributed to fandom as a writer and actor. He can be seen in the featurettes on the Season 20 Blu-ray and can frequently be found at Doctor Who conventions on both coasts of the United States, in the UK, Germany, and even at sea. He's good people. Ian McCam, welcome to Who and Company. 
Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey. <laughs> so I have to ask, where are you on the season 20 Blu-ray? Because I, I am uh, I'm about I'm about three quarters through. Well, like most things, they save the best for last. <laughs> I believe I have since I watched it. It's the very last disc on the. Um, there's like two or three discs at the end dedicated to the five doctors. Right. It's on the look who's driving featurette. Oh, right. Yeah. When they do the road trip, uh, Peter, Sarah, and Janet to uh, Time Lash, I'm on that a couple of times. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's it's a nice little extra casual surprise. When it was first released in the UK, I had all these friends randomly popping up in uh, my DMs going, uh, I just saw you on a Blu-ray. I was like, <laughs> oh, well, it must be out now. <laughs> <laughs> we only recorded it, I don't know, four and a half years ago. <laughs> Well, speaking of seeing you on Blu-rays, uh, we saw you on the um, Doctor Who Am I documentary as well. Yeah, uh, that was released. Yeah, well, I, I actually forgot year. about that myself. <laughs> that was I a saw long you on time at least ago two occasions. Well. Yeah, oh, a real long time ago. It's uh, I have long hair in some of those shots, and um, that's that's quite uh, disconcerting. Putting <laughs> <laughs> it past me. I think that was the first convention where we met uh but before we get to the conventions because i do want to talk about the conventions because we've you and i have been to many conventions together um you know like all who and company guests we we know you through doctor who so i mean let's do the origin story let's start at the beginning uh when did you first watch doctor who and what a what was it about it that made you a fan now weirdly every most american doctor who fans always go oh doctor who on pbs uh, I was born in New Hampshire, and for some reason, we never had Doctor Who on PBS. I never caught Doctor Who at all my time in New Hampshire on PBS. No, um, my mother liked going to yard sales back then, finding weird stuff at yard sales. And this was this old lady who lived in this kind of cape house, and she had VHS tapes in, like, this ancient trunk. And there was three or four VHS tapes of Doctor Who. And I loved media as a kid. Always movies, movies, movies. That before even the love for TV, it was just movies. And so I thought, oh, well, these look interesting. And the VHSs were Day of the Daleks, The Five Doctors. I believe it was The Seeds of Doom. And the fourth one, I can't remember. I do believe it's another Tom Baker story. But yeah, my first Doctor Who story was... The Day of the Daleks on VHS. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, it's it's maybe not a traditional way of going about it, but that's, there are far worse stories to, to get into. <laughs> yeah. I like it, but I wouldn't say it's the best example of Doctor Who, even for that time period. I mean, it actually concerns time travel shenanigans, which is not what most of classic Who would be about. No, I... Uh, no, I did fall in love with it. I mean, Katie Manning, my first companion. So it it's, it was very endearing. Weirdly, I must have known about the Daleks somehow. I somehow have a memory of the Daleks, and I had some inkling of them even before. I don't know what I saw them on, but for some reason I had seen their image before. So I knew I had some recognition of them as a known commodity. But, you know, that just had charm to it. I didn't like Star Trek growing up. Even TOS, my mother was more into sci-fi 
and that kind of thing. She loved uh, TOS and TNG and Twilight Zone. She was the kind of girl who would run home from school to catch Dark Shadows. Mm. So she was always kind of a, a fan before fans were a thing. And <laughs> um, I uh, just Chuck at that time when I was that young didn't really appeal to me. So there was a kind of a campy humor. I don't know, something about Doctor Who that really appealed to me. It may have been the Britishness, not going to lie. Well, I have to ask then, um, kind of concerning the same thing. So if the Britishness was what's the appeal, were you watching British television prior to that? Like, you know, I know a lot of folks who got into Doctor Who because they got into Monty Python first or something along those lines. Uh, What sort of went, okay, yeah, cool. Not sure if Monty Python was up. Are you being served? I know I must have seen some at the time because that was on PBS. We did sure. have Are You Being Served. Um, James Bond, British. Love James yes. Bond as a kid. Sherlock Holmes, yeah. British. Love that. So there was a lot of British or British adjacent things that I had liked um, that appealed to me at the time. I mean, this was this was a good decade and a half before Harry Potter came rolling around, so I can't credit that. <laughs> but it's just kind of a kismet, I guess you could put it in some way. Kismet. Uh, then I saw the five doctors afterwards, and then that was just kind of mind-blowing because there's not anything in the way of mythology, I would say, in the day of the doctor. Then you see, oh, there's five of them, and who are all these people, and what is going <laughs> on? And you go, oh, okay. I think I may have known Peter Davison from All Creatures Great and Small at that point. Sure. So he was a familiar face. So that was kind of odd, too, as a kid. But I'll tell you what was really odd. Newfound love of Doctor Who. Month and a half later, the TV movie's coming out and the news that John Pertry has died. Mm-hmm. Talk about devastation on little Ian. That oh, was wow. such a weird thing. Because no one talked about Doctor Who. There was no one to talk to Doctor Who about. So there was a news article about how he had passed, and then, oh, there's a new Doctor on television coming out in, like, a week and a half. Um, So then I saw Paul McGann. I thought, oh, it's going to be on American television. It's everybody it's going to be talking about it, and there'll be other kids playing, and, you know, Doctor Who everywhere. And uh, we know how that went. Right. Yes, yeah, we, we, all, we all blame Roseanne for that. <laughs> <laughs> I blame her for a lot of things, so it's all right. I'm going to add that to the list. <laughs> so does that make Pertwee your favorite doctor? He's my first doctor. Um, right. So I always have a soft spot for him. Uh, I love them all equally, but I have to say I, I have a lot of fondness for Capaldi, 12. Oh, yeah. I guess I like him with big hair and a little bit of grumpiness. I can't help it. <laughs> so so uh, f- first, second, or third series of Capaldi's Capaldi? Oh, um... Because you said big hair and a little grumpiness, that kind of feels like you know the 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 final season where he's yeah. I would say between two and three. Yeah, he looks weird if his hair cut short in series one. It's it's yeah. odd, and I imagine <laughs> too that it actually that... ages him weirdly. Yeah, when he's got the funk poof, it's you know it's great. It does feel a little Pertwee-esque as well, you know. I think that's definitely intended. Yeah, um, he's a, he's a Pertree fanboy, just like I was. So <laughs> velvet lining and you know, 
jackets and all right not to put you on the spot but you said that um you know daleks is not the great introduction you know it's not terrible but you're right it's it is not typical doctor who fare if you were to introduce somebody to doctor who using just a pertwee and this is for both of you a just a pertwee story what would it be you had to choose a pertwee you're introducing them to the very first time just a pertwee story hmm the temptation is to try to find one with Joe. Uh-huh. But I would probably pick the Time Warrior. Oh, yeah. It's not a bad story. It's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it is kind of an entry point as well. Mm-hmm. And if there's Star Wars fans, you can be like, how the Archer, you know? It's Jeremy Bullock. There's Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also they and they probably may have seen some Elizabeth Slayton and some newer stuff, perchance. So yeah, that might be saying, "Hey, that woman you saw." Yeah. So, oh, and Sun, there's Santar is a familiar monster. Well, I like a little bit of time travel, and it's not too. Um, it's a it's a very linear plot. Yeah, it's not particularly wibbly wobbly time travel. You wouldn't want to throw the mutants at them. <laughs> no. Well, it it you know what it depends on your friend. I guess that's true. How about you? Right. Oh, you I, choose a pertwee to introduce someone to classic who? I don't know. I well, my favorite is Inferno, but I don't know if I would introduce somebody to a seven-part story. Yeah, that's a that's a it's a gripping one, but it's it's a, it asks a lot. Yeah, most of series seven series seven does, outside of maybe Spearhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spearhead's. I mean, yeah, that's a new Doctor. That that's not a terrible one. It looks gorgeous, especially if you can get a copy of it on Blu-ray. I mean, the autons going out the windows is classic iconography. So yeah, I, I might say Day of the Daleks, just because you know this person you're introducing it to may be a fan of the Terminator and it's a pretty right. similar plot, and they would catch on. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with Carnival of Monsters. It's a bonkers story, uh, but it does have some wibbly wobbliness uh, and and a couple of like really great cliffhangers that I think are are brilliant. It's got Joe. Um, yeah, no, I, it's got a miniscope. I think it's it's pretty awesome. It's a good it's a good story. Uh, that was going to be I... my second choice for sure. Yeah, actually, cool. yeah. I just I don't know. It's not an atypical one for poetry either. So it's just kind of because it's actually really quite quite good and it's aged well. So sure, yeah. Some of those stories don't. Some of poetry hasn't as aged as well as one may have liked. Military aspects of it as a, the homebound. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so you, you could include Pertwee in this if you want, but do you have uh, a favorite story of Doctor Who? Like, I know a lot of us are like, I always introduce my friends to this story, but not as an introduction story, but just like as a favorite. Like, if someone just sat down and said, you know, do you have a favorite story? For classic Who, I either would go to, it's probably about three of them, if I had to, if I had to, if what mood I'm in that day. That And that's fair. Mood's a huge, yeah. Seeds of Doom. Seeds of Doom. The Rebos Operation. Uh-huh. Or Enlightenment. Hmm. Those are three very different stories. Yes. I mean, if you just want a slap-bang adventure that's just, like, really tautly taught of the script and just, like, great side characters and fun and a great villain, Seeds of Doom is your your bag. Absolutely. But if you want, like, a fun caper and you really want to focus on, like, the chemistry of a Doctor-Companion type deal... Also with great side characters, the Rivo's operation. I mean, so um, I don't know if you know the Thin Man, 
Nick and Nora Charles, uh, yeah. William Powell, and Mary Tam and Tom Baker have such a delightful chemistry. They even have a little dog. They did. One bit Tom on the lip. That's why he looks kind of weird in that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a del- And it's got that first episode of a, of a new companion, new season thing. So she's really actually quite, le- uh, quite well written. Yeah, you know, they, always yeah. Wa- they always end up watering them down, unfortunately. But she's really kind of her own thing. And I love it. And Enlightenment is just, I mean, to be honest, it's my favorite uh, Davison story of a lot anyway. Uh, it's just fantasy. I love the imagery in it. Um, it's really camp in a lot of places. I love the idea of the Eternals. Uh, Tegan in that outfit. There's a creepy <laughs> guy who loves Tegan, who I feel weirdly bad for in some ways still. I don't understand why. It's it's a lot of fun. Plenty of others I could throw out there, but those are the top three that always kind of pop in my mind for Classic Who. I just saw Enlightenment recently, like a week ago, and uh, I'd forgotten how good that was. It's yeah. weird. They've redone the uh, visuals for the spaceships in Flo- I mean, the uh, sailing ships in space again. And I personally have no problem with the original effects. It's <laughs> such a weird thing for people to have a bugbear about and want to spend money on. Now, like the dinosaurs, invasion of the dinosaurs, I could understand. You want a better type of plastic. But I, I, just, I find the charm. <laughs> or the, the snake in Kinda, I think, is... Um, you know, I was introduced to Kinda with the the new animation because it was just it was the go-to i didn't realize having never seen it before you know this is back in 2012 um when you just hit play it's going to go with the the modern stuff and i was like man the special effects in this are great and then years later at a convention we were having a conversation and someone's like yeah you know the, the thing about it is how bad the snake is i'm like i thought the snake was awesome and everyone's like what do you mean and i was like yeah. <laughs> Did you turn on the original effects? I'm like, I did not. I went back and went, oh. Oh, it's a blow-up pool toy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like how many people must have watched The Five Doctors that have never seen the original version? Yeah. I yeah. mean, how many times is that thing? Now, I like the uh, the new one they've done for the Blu-ray yet again, another version. It's kind of a best of both worlds of the different versions they made. Mm-hmm. But some stuff they've gotten very, I would say, almost George Lucasy. Well, at the time of recording, we are less than a month away from Doctor Who's 60th anniversary. So, is there something you're looking forward to more than the others? Like, uh, on the actual anniversary date, I will be in Chicago for Chicago TARDIS. So that's always exciting. Awesome. Um, I'm just looking forward to new Doctor Who. I'm I'm so excited. It's been uh, over a year. Russell T. Davies has fed us little morsels of information, but not really information, and told us very little. So I'm excited to be surprised and delighted and, I don't know, maybe infuriated. Who knows? (laughs) Well, you are a fan, so you're going to have to get mad at something. It's in our contract. How dare they bring back Dodo and Recaster? What is wrong with them? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm just looking forward to spending some uh, quality time, uh, anniversary it's hard to believe i still just can't get my mind over it's been 10 years since the 50th it feels like yeah three years ago at best yeah or i remember everything about that just so clearly like it was like a couple of months ago and it's it's so bizarre um yeah and there'll be little surprises along the way i know little bits and bobs of things that are coming and that'll that'll take some people by surprise so that'll be nice what are you guys excited for? 
Um, actually, the Disney Plus trailer just dropped, and they also just announced the dates of the specials, which, for anybody that hasn't heard, it's November 25th, December 2nd, December 9th, and they're coming out same day on Disney Plus. It's so atypical of Doctor Who and the BBC to have November specials be mainly A, not on the anniversary date, and B, <laughs> mostly in December. Right. I think that yeah. gloriously... Uh, true to form. But also, if you think about the momentum, we get a Christmas special. That's only a couple of weeks later, so we get a couple of specials and then a Christmas special? I'm sure oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody will be riding high from those. You won't even have time to think about. I'll be like, oh, is Christmas already? <laughs> and I, I predict Russell will have finagled an actual Christmas primetime slot again. Hey, they did a couple of uh, like movie posters for for, for all three specials, too, and they all look really great. I don't know if you've seen those. Uh, I know I've mentioned many, many, many times that I came to Doctor Who through the comic books, and the comic book that I uh, first got from Marvel Comics was the Star Beast. So the fact that the very thing that brought me into Doctor Who uh, is now being made into television is amazing, but the poster is a recreation of that comic book, which is just blowing my mind, and I'm so happy about it. Isn't it glorious? And it's such a weird kind of full circle thing, isn't it? Because we really haven't had like that much of a transference between comic book Doctor Who into any live action. There's been some in, in audio here or there. So to bring that back and full scale front and center is the first new era of Doctor Who. It's really quite it's really quite soft and special. I mean, the Star Beast has to be one of the most uh, famous stories uh, out there. Yeah, I mean, like, when the stars fall on um, Stockbridge, and then there's some Frobisher stuff. But outside of that, that's really the story. There's the um, uh, Dalek killer, right? So Absalon Doc, those stories are also really popular. We got a little bit of that in Time Heist. But to have just from start to finish and just tweak it for the series mind-boggling like I, I as a comic book fan i feel seen it it's i'm what i imagine big finish fans feel like when they there's a big finish reference uh on the actual program they get all squidgy that that excites me they they're far and few between but <laughs> i i do oh he said charlie oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that yeah uh oh my gosh so good uh you know as we mentioned in the um the intro i've i've seen you at it's got to be at least 10 doctor who conventions now we've got we have to have been of at least 10 of them together if not it's very close to that what was your first doctor who con convention my first proper doctor who convention would have to be li who three three yes i had done a couple of um generic genre conventions before i wasn't really sure conventions were my cup of tea yeah life stuff happened and i thought i just need a new course in life i need to do something different and i thought okay let's give it a shot i've been a fan for a long time but i always imagined it to be more i hate to bring it back up star trek fanny and like in the cliche way and that kind of seemed to scare me a little bit right you know there's <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of nice things about Star Trek fans out there. Sometimes, if you if you don't if you don't know, right, 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 sure. If you're not a part of it, if you're not a part of it, you don't really know. So, 
And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to go. And uh, I, I fell in love. It's such a great community and people. And it's just been part ever since. It's been almost, what was that, 2015? God, it's almost almost 10 years now for that. So that must have been the first time we may have bumped into each other. I'm not sure if we actually properly met, but I'm sure you were there, right? Oh, yeah. No, I think I have pictures of us together from that one. Um, I know I've I seen pictures. I wish you would stop trying to blackmail me with those. I told <laughs> yeah, you. Well, I mean, listen, until I get the money, you know what, what I have. I see how it is. And in a public forum, too. I, I honestly. Listen, this entire, we've been doing this for seven years just for this moment. Just so I can add that pressure, right? Uh, well, I'm I'm glad to, I'm going out in your series finale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay, uh, 2015 comes around. You've got the LA three. It's a great hotel. It's got great guests. Was there um, was there a guest in particular that you looked at and says, "Listen, if I'm going to do this, this is now's the time. I've I've got to I've got to do it for so and so." Just the idea of a Doctor Who convention, but, I mean, it was a perfect lineup for someone who had been to one before. I mean, yeah, Paul absolutely. McGann, you know, uh, Katie Manning, first companion. Let me let me, let me me tell you, I, I'm not going to – me and Katie Manning are pretty good friends these days on a personal level. But way back when, as a, as a fan, walking down – you used to have to go, like, registration. You had to walk past the autographs. It was really weird, mm-hmm. that hotel. Yeah. So, Getting into the hotel and just seeing Katie Manning there, and I'm not a person to get starstruck, at least not anymore anyway, this day and age, uh, <laughs> was quite surreal as someone as a childhood seeing that person. So then go seeing them in real life, eh, you get a little verklempt, a little full, full circle verklempt. Um, no, it was uh, Car- like, um, Carol Ann Ford was there, I believe, that yeah. year. Yep. It was a, just a good lineup. And some yeah, people right that now. were pretty rare. I mean, Derek Sherman was there, even though he was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was just nice. Just getting out, out of house, just doing something. Uh, speaking of Katie Manning, um, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't have a, really another forum to, to say this. So this is perfect for doing it. I having coming, having come back recently from LI and, and, and seeing Katie, uh, made me realize that there was one Katie Manning story I hadn't seen, and that was the death of the Doctor, the Sarah Jane Adventures episode. For some reason, had never seen it, and I, I cried. <laughs> I cried <laughs> during both episodes with tears of joy. I got absolutely weepy, um, seeing the two of them together. But just seeing how Katie reacted to everyone on screen and see like recognizing just the katiness of all of that because i had just seen her do that to human beings real human beings who really exist in 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 real life and not just on a screen uh yeah bless her heart i i love her so much i think brent and i have been talking about her almost nonstop on every podcast that we've recorded the last month uh since that since (laughs) what was it august yeah august God, that's not that long ago. I mean, she's an um, absolutely ephemeral human being. She's just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, she Barbara, won't admit it, that there's a bit more of her and Joe than she would like to admit at times. <laughs> but the line is definitely blurred over time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
I'm going to go super nerdy with this one. Um, uh, there is a very popular card game called Magic the Gathering. Um, you know, it's, it's dare say, possibly the most popular tabletop game out there that, uh, that isn't Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, you magically (laughs) gathered that. And, um, they just released a Doctor Who set, uh, and you can buy these pre-made decks. They're way too expensive for what they are, but I got one anyway. I traded old magic cards for new magic cards, and there's a Katie Manning card. (laughs) And it's just the sheer joy of having a Joe Grant card uh, is it's just so brilliant, though. It's not a good likeness of her. I think she's like riding a motorcycle and kind of uh, it, it doesn't feel like a, you're, you'll imagine that that character right there is going to give you a hug. And that's the problem is it, they don't capture. I hope there's a hug power. That's one of her special powers. Oh, is my hug. God. Honestly, I don't I even I remember what the card Katie. does, but uh, it's just I I got the set because Katie's in it. Aww, um, is one of the reasons. Yeah, I have. Like I a, think I saw that. Is is she wearing the outfit from um the Sea Devils on it? The white. She is. One? She's wearing the white one. Yeah. yeah, I did remember that. Right. It's weird. Some of the likenesses on it are very good, and some of them aren't. I'm assuming rights issues. Yes, some so people. Real uncanny valley level of it's almost right. But not yeah, quite. Not quite. So I suspect there's some rights issues. Katie's been notorious. Well, she used to be back in the old days uh, over her likeness on things. That's why in the comic books, they looked nothing like her. Yeah. yeah. Nondescript blonde woman. So I wouldn't be surprised if she's if that's still the case. But um, no, it's really neat. I, I Not something I'm into personally. But I love the novelty of it and the advertisements yeah. for it are targeted to me online for some reason i don't know why could they could someone stop <laughs> what makes them think i'd like doctor who and card games honestly i <laughs> accusations right. are coming back, back, back. I, I haven't played in over a decade and now it's sort of like okay everywhere yeah, yeah. so ian uh we talked about conventions and that you've been to some all over the world so what's the draw for you there what what differences do you see between conventions in other countries uh, or u.s Oh, uh, the language barrier. Confusion is great. No. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting to see uh, what differences in appeal for all the countries are and what stays the same. Like, for example, German fans have such different avenues into Doctor Who. And they have such a pure enthusiasm that... Um, you don't get with a lot of other countries' fans. I mean, I think it's safe to say there's a healthy dose of cynicism in the UK fandom. Gotta love <laughs> it, but it's there. Well, for example, um, Annika Wills came to a convention, uh, Time Lash. I don't know what number it was. It was a few years ago. Uh, 60s Trouton episodes never aired in Germany. There was basically no, at that time, of her episodes on home media for them in German. So anything they have a saw, whether you have to catch online or ship over her episodes from, you know, other regions. And she was one of the most popular people over there at the convention. And I told her, I said, you do know that basically everybody who's coming to see you and getting photos and autographs are just coming to you on your personality alone. 
<laughs> you, she could have walked on air afterwards. She was so tickled pink at the thought of that because they hadn't. Very, very few of the people who came to her probably had actually seen an episode with Polly. It was just they were so charmed by how she was with people and how nice and lovely and just, you know, kind of fun, kind of hippie grandma that she can be at times. <laughs> Sorry, to cut. you probably want to say grandma. But uh, <laughs> they love panels. I've never seen panels so well attended. Mm. You know, in the UK, I mean, in the US, it can be kind of spotty with panels. Every sure. panel, full up to the wall. Rapid. Um, usually, no stupid questions. No. <laughs> Once you start saying no stupid questions, they'll say, what's your favorite color? Um, always very inquisitive. Just very pure, pure, pure joy. Um Weirdly, most German fans seem to have started off with Torchwood, which, you know, hey, somebody had to. Right. <laughs> um, they're excited, as everyone else is, about having same-day release and proper dubbing and subtitles of the Disney Plus thing. So it's really such a good thing that's happening globally. I know a lot that's of really places cool, are yeah. upset, like Australia, because they had a uh, long-term um, distributor, the ABC uh, network, not ours that had Doctor Who for since practically the 60s, and that now Disney Plus is doing it. So there's a little bit of tutting at that, but I think it'd be good most around for the, the show's just profile across the board. People can get it at the same time in their own language, subtitles, the whole shebang. I just, there's my people, Doctor Who fans. They're my people. Let's all go out for a nice day in the country. Start off on the A143 and end up in the set of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> hours we've been marooned here. Yes, we got ourselves into a right pickle when the river split into three back there, didn't we, Mr. Meldrew? Funny how things turn out. Funny? Yes. It's a pity we didn't have a needle and thread. I could sew up my sides where they're split from laughing. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Speaking about your people, here's the thing, you know, every person that we bring onto the podcast is a fan of Doctor Who. You know, some some of us are just fans and some of them have gotten involved, but we also know that Doctor Who is not the end all and be all of their fandom. So whenever we have a guest on, we always of course want to know what else they like, what other shows they like. Uh so uh, Ian, what program that isn't Doctor Who? are we going to talk about with you today? Well, I really want to talk about my deep-rooted love for class. Sure. <laughs> I mean, let's do that. <laughs> no, 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 um, listeners, please, come back. <laughs> Wait, where are you? It's only going to be an hour-long discussion on every one of the episodes. It's we're, fine. We're uh, no, I actually do enjoy class, but not that much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, the one I've chosen today is called One Foot in the Grave. It's a British sitcom from, well, it aired over about 10 years, 1990 to 2000. It was quite popular in its time. I think in a whole couple years back, it was voted like in the top 10 of British sitcoms ever. So that's not bad. Yeah. They, they've mm. made more than 10 British sitcoms. So that's good innings. <laughs> Uh, have either one of you ever heard of it before? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing this a long time ago. It's probably in the '90s on PBS. I, I can remember bits and pieces, like Victor being confused on the cordless phone and picking up the dog and saying hello, but I don't remember what episode that was. Uh, <laughs> and another one that stuck with me 
to this day, uh, whenever I think about that show, is is an episode we'll talk about in a little while called Hearts of Darkness. Ah, yeah, yeah. that's my favorite. I love that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had heard about it um, in the same way that you know I've I kind of grew up. A lot of television wasn't available to me, especially UK stuff, and and once I had discovered. Monty Python, I was like, oh, is all British television like this? And of course it's not. But I I had gotten books where I would read through descriptors of it. And, and by the time it was, say, mid-90s, uh, I would I would go to, like, bookstores and libraries and read synopses of, of British television. So I, I knew it existed, but I hadn't seen it until this week um, when you suggested and you gave us some, some episodes to watch. Um, when did you first watch this? Uh, it wasn't on PBS. In fact, until Brent just mentioned it, I wasn't aware it aired on PBS over here because it's mm-hmm. it's not the most. I would say it's a bit challenging for the most common viewer. Weirdly enough, the way <laughs> it kind of changes tones. It's a dark comedy at times, very mm-hmm. much so. As if you saw Hearts of Darkness, you'll know. I would say probably about 10, 15 years ago, I did like a really heavy binge on because you get tired of watching the same old stuff. True. And I thought, well, let me go and see if this is any good. It's obviously been, and I watched the first couple episodes and something. I have a dark sense of humor at times, so this it, it really just kind of appealed to me. <laughs> and it's one of the few things I can still watch and laugh heartily on. Not just LOL, a little chuckle, proper belly laughs. And that is a rare commodity. Yeah. It Even is. on first time, laughing at something genuinely is a rare commodity. I mean, how many things you watch, you go, oh, it's amusing, that's, that's cute, but yeah, a yeah. proper laugh. <laughs> and there's bits of Heart of Darkness. I watched it actually today, just a little refresher on some of them, just dying laughing at it. And uh, you, you can't beat that. So you recommended several episodes to us to watch. What were they and why did you select those? Uh, how do they capture the spirit of the show? The one, first one I recommended to you was more of a standard episode. It's mostly on set. It's more of a traditional sitcom-y one. You know, situations, at the house, the married couple, the neighbors. And it kind of slowly devolves into more of the madness of the, the Meldrews' <laughs> life. I mean, why on um, any earth did she, Mrs. Warboys think his, his outfit was the gorilla suit. <laughs> and then the neighbor goes to give him a replacement suit for it, and it's another gorilla suit. How, <laughs> how, how what, what universe could that have ever happened in, except in the Meldrews? Um, but it's also got the little bits of darkness in it, in terms of the, uh, the girl, uh, Margaret, uh, kind of raised as her own being a bit of a criminal. Spoiler alert. And... You know, as much as she spends most of the episode annoyed and angry at Victor, you know, there's that sweetness and tenderness to show they are real characters and they, they really do love each other. That's the thing about um, Victor Meldrew. You know, he's always kind of a grumpy and cantankerous and always raging against the world, but usually he has a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. He's not grumpy for no reason. Usually there's something. He's a bit of a social crusader in a way. And, of course, the oddest assortment of things happened to him. I mean, bizarrely. So that was the first one. The second one I recommended, um, they do experiment with the format at times. And they do little, almost uh, like little play pieces that you could uh, set on stage. It was called The Beast in the Cage. Um, 
I just love it. It's there's not a lot of like it else like it. And he just obviously the title refers to Victor being the beast in the cage. And <laughs> again, raging against the wind, stuck in traffic. But my favorite bit, and a lot of my favorite bits revolve around her, is halfway, you think they're by themselves in the car, and then halfway through, Mrs. Warboys gets in the car and to find <laughs> out she ran off down the road to a pub. Because <laughs> it's been stuck in traffic for so long. And getting snacks. Not getting snacks. Yeah, yeah. Right? She, uh... He's so he's so hurt. Yes, yes, yes. What was it crispy streaky bacon or crispy bacon or something? Yeah. Something along those. He says, No, I wanted the crispy Yes, I, I didn't wanted that. Want oh. And she gives him the the ice cube with the hornet in it. Oh, I thought you wouldn't <laughs> mind. <laughs> what do you mean I don't mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, were you uh you watched it, Drew. What did you think of what, what you saw? I am not the audience for this television show. Um, <laughs> I, I laughed more at your recounting the story than I did actually watching it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I recognize that it's it's well-written, it's well-acted. I recognize that it's, you know, it's funny. It just didn't hit me uh, well. Um, I, I, you know, I had, I had a kind of slight laughs chuckles to a couple of them there's there's one at the end of maelstrom that i i i genuinely the 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 reveal of what the missing child's <laughs> husband looks like the build-up for that completely caught me off guard wasn't expecting it as my very first episode of the show i think it's a really good example you know having seen the other ones um of what the show is, I—I I mean, I thought it was—it was really well done. I just—I don't know if I was in the wrong mood for it, or it. So I don't find people who complain funny, um, and I—and I guess maybe it's the same with like shows, like say something like Friends, where I don't like watching terrible people. <laughs> I don't get any enjoyment out of listening to people be cruel to each other or complain about stuff um and the other thing that really throws me is embarrassing situations so my empathy kicks into gear and i start imagining if i was in this situation and it's so cringeworthy it's very difficult for me to watch so <laughs> with all of that in mind and i certainly wouldn't have told you uh that was the kind of how i watch tv uh because i don't want anyone influenced when they make their decisions i want you to talk about the shows you want to talk about but i i was watching them and just going that was so difficult. Like I could feel my shoulders raising to my ears and kind of like trying <laughs> to hide under the covers, not out of fear, but out of absolute discomfort. His poor, long-suffering wife. Yeah. He's so loud. He's so loud. And it makes me wonder, is this how my wife feels having to deal with me on a regular basis as I'm just like, you know, singing and dancing and whistling constantly? So, so Yeah, that's, um, a, um, that's a good dynamic because... He's complaining about everything all the time, and she's just quiet. She takes it, she takes it, and then all of a sudden she just explodes on him. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. She, and that's she funny certainly too. lets him know sometimes. Yeah, the uh, the iron, the dress with the iron, him leaning yeah. the iron, <laughs> and and actually, there's some real clever moments, especially in that one. I don't know why I'm talking about that one in particular, but um, the fact that you know he goes to make the tea, but he gets called away. And he comes back and he decides, well, he has to put everything in its place. So he plugs it back in. And it's not until he turns off the light that we see the light is on the iron. And it's like, that's a very clever 
use of directing. You, you know, I think you had mentioned that it feels like it could be a play. You're absolutely right. It could be a play. Could you imagine the gasps from the audience if you, if you, if you staged that where the light goes off on stage, but you can see that one tiny little red light? I think the whole audience you get a great gasp out of that. So yeah, it's so, yeah. It's Chekhov's iron. Yes, absolutely. I was expecting him to come back. I I didn't know about the show, and I didn't know that the wife was a repeat character. So, like in the very beginning, she passes out, and I thought, does his wife die? Like, is this this an episode where the wife dies? Because um, we've had other shows where that has been the episode. People are like, oh, you're gonna like this because so and so dies, and then uh, there, what was it? Dad's army, right? Wasn't it, Brett? Then we have a. An episode where a wife or a girlfriend passes away in in one of the stories that we watched. Yeah, for I that think one it was Dad's Army. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, that's interesting uh, about you thinking that because they did toy with killing her off in a later episode for real. But I could see how you would have thought that. I mean, spoiler alert for the finale of the show. Mm-hmm. He does die. Oh, he, he does. does. He um, it's not funny. Uh, he gets. He gets a run over in a hit and run accident. Oh, it's the very yeah yeah. But it's at the very beginning of it, and later on you see Margaret trying to process it later in life, and she becomes friends with this woman. Come to find out, the woman is a uh, drunk, and she was the one who ran over Victor. And at the very end, they leave it up to whether or not Margaret actually poisoned her and killed her. Wow! And then, what? And then. It ends on a montage before he died of him getting, you know, in, in situations again. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the writer of the show, because it was so popular, didn't want to have to write any more seasons of it. So he wanted <laughs> to kill off Victor very sincerely. Gotcha. And again, it's surprisingly they have humor in the situation, but it is kind of melancholy and sad. But they leave it up to the... Uh, the viewer whether or not margaret actually killed the woman because she like swears vengeance if they ever found out who it was and this woman's been her best friend helping her through grief and then you find out she's the one who ended up killed victor so oh big spoilers for the finale guys i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna put that one out there no, as a it's fine. We, we always have a spoiler warning right at the beginning here <laughs> um also i should say uh you know there's a real yeah, shock of joy when the opening credits start and you realize it's eric idol yeah um that was yes. very cool. Uh, and then the extended song from the uh, Beast in a Cage where he puts the tape in and it's clearly been <laughs> left by the mechanics who all have lovely singing voices yeah. uh, as, a, as a chorus talking about how horrible he is as a human being. And one of them was also Eric Idle again. Yeah. yeah. And Eric Idle appeared in a Christmas special. It was a very, very, very weird gardener, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's funny because it's not the kind of, you know, as dark as some of the stuff is, like I just described the finale for you. It's got this really kind of jaunty, kind of kitschy little theme to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bum, bum, yeah. bum. I want, so it's, I don't know, it, it's my cup of tea, but it's not for everyone. And I, I understand it. I mean, what did you think of the, of the Hearts of Darkness? That's the one I'm really curious to get into because that's my favorite. I think it's a beautiful piece of television. It created quite a stir at the time. Yeah, it that's one of the ones I was saying earlier that um that I still think of this day because it caught me by surprise because I'd never seen a show like that before that um was a comedy and all of a sudden dropped some heavy drama on you. 
And he's a hero, Mr. Meldrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he most of these episodes, he's cranky all the time. He's complaining all the time. But deep down, he's actually a good person. And yeah, like I said, most of the stuff he complains about, he's he's justified in mainly. Yeah. Mainly. And uh, and he, yeah, like you said, he becomes a hero in this one. They they are st- <laughs> all the funny stuff is at the beginning where they're all stuck in the in the boat in the water, and then the How neighbor just gets out. have? <laughs> and the neighbor just gets out and walks in the water. He's like, "What? <laughs> We've been sitting here this whole time." What do you mean? Two feet. Yeah, that was really funny. I love it when they're stuck in the concrete. In the concrete, that was good too. Every time he says, "You've broken free of my toes," but luckily it was already set in plaster. (laughs) But they they find a a nursing facility who are uh, they're abusing the patients, and the actual uh, here's a Doctor Who tie in the facility caretaker is Mrs. Hardiker from. Curse of Fenric, who was also in Mummy on the Orient Express. Yeah. The lovely, lovely Janet Henfrey, who was a childhood friend of Sophie Aldred. I oh, met really? her at the um, premiere of the uh, Sill movie they made a couple years ago. Absolute lovely woman. But that's so every time someone's a villain, they're usually a very nice people. But <laughs> lots of who connections in this. I mean, Richard Wilson, the lead, was in uh, the two parter of Christopher Eccleston's The Doctor Dances. He was the doctor in the children's oh, war. Yeah. Constantine. I yeah. knew I had seen him somewhere. That's he was right. also Dr. Merlin. He was also Merlin's uh, mentor in the Merlin show, which was on BBC America all the time back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Uh, the wife, Margaret, was in the very first episode of Matt Smith's. She was the grandmother of the guy who kind of like. Right. Yes, she she was related to Tom Hopper, who was in that, who is famous now for Umbrella Academy. It's the guy with the gorilla arms, who was gotcha. also in Merlin, weirdly. Uh, Mrs. Warboys was in the first season of Sarah Jane Adventures, Eye of the Gorgon. She was one of the old ladies in the old ladies home. Hmm. And she just recently passed away. God bless her heart. Oh. But uh, lots of who connections. There's a great episode where Damaris Heyman from the... Uh, the demons makes a cameo. Victor goes, there's an advertisement for shoes to buy. And so he goes to his person's house to get the shoes. <laughs> and the woman's like, yeah, yeah, I just got him over here. And she goes into the room and pulls him off her, her husband who just died. And she <laughs> says, they're, they're brand spanking new. And the look on Victor's face is like, what? <laughs> He's dead serious about it. Um, the guy who created and written all the show episodes of the show, David Renwick, had another show called Jonathan Creek. Yeah, I used was, to love that. Right. Yeah. Which was the last show produced by Verity Lambert, hmm. which has a ton of Doctor Who people in it. First uh, victim in it is Colin Baker, of all people. Yep. Peter Davison's in one. Yes. Mary Tam, another famous victim. Michael Troughton, who's in your last episode, he plays a most odious guy in it who's not a, a murderer surprisingly <laughs> he's like a slovenly like sex addicted lottery winner guy and he spends most <laughs> of the episode either under a bridge or in a bed in his underwear he's truly <laughs> an awful character we love you michael but yeah <laughs> no it's um i i know it's not everybody's cup of tea it's just it's something different i really like 
I like shows that can do comedy and drama at the same time. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, uh, a balancing act. And, you know, I, I really want to make it clear. It's not saying that I didn't like the show. It's just not. It was not for me. You know, that yeah. has nothing on the quality of the overall program. I absolutely can see and know people who would love something like this. It just, you know, wasn't wasn't one where I, you know, usually by the end of it, I'm like, I'm going to watch more episodes of that. I probably I probably won't, though, if you if you cherry pick a couple more for me that you think uh, I'll probably take a look at some of those Um because I'm always interested, especially when you know people I like like things, so I I want to yeah. check it out. Uh, but, Drew, yeah. uh, of of the three, which one did you enjoy the most? So I'm gonna. Uh, I hate to admit this, but I did not watch Hearts of Darkness. Oh, um, okay. Because ah. I <laughs> I watched the first one and went, okay, you know, like there's some, I I laughed at the end. Uh, Beast of Cage was rough for me. I. Once I finished it, I couldn't. I couldn't watch another one. Well, that um, that makes sense. What you uh, with what you said, because he's basically in the car just complaining for thirty minutes. And it's like yeah. you know, thirty minutes is not that long. It may have taken me about two hours to watch that because I kept on stopping it. Wow, uh, it's one of those things that I do when I, if it, if it's a, like a cut fairly intense emotional thing. Sometimes I need to take little breaks, and even things like. Uh, like someone complaining and being curmudgeonly that level of it um, I can't take much of and I was like I don't know if I can uh, expose like like sit through another one of these episodes so I didn't um, but the way that you're both describing and I probably will check out that one yeah that was the one well like I said I didn't want to start with that one first right, right because it's really kind of full on and then you have to spend time sitting there figuring out who these characters are to each other. So I wanted yeah. to start more of the more stereotypical Sikami. So. And then Beast of the Cage is a little bit more experimental. I, I would I would say do give it a go just to experience it because it is wholly unique. But I wouldn't I wouldn't suffer. Well then I'm really glad you didn't watch the last one I recommended. I said if you had time, because that's a one parter where it's just Victor at home talking to himself, kind of complaining to himself. <laughs> if you like it, you would love it. If you don't like complaining, you you wouldn't yeah. have been the fan, I don't think. I just I imagine being in the same room as that individual and just going, I, I couldn't I couldn't yeah. handle this. I couldn't I mean that's a fair assessment. I'm sure I'd be eye rolling too if I was in the corner with Victor. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I started Hearts of Darkness, it's it's all the comedy and and um different scenarios of them being in town and Victor being punched in the nose like two or three times and, and all of this hilarious stuff. It's a bad day out in the woods with them. It's yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was laughing and I was thinking, this looks sort of familiar. Like I've seen this before. So then before I got any further, I looked up which episode is the, uh, the nursing facility episode. And it was like hearts of darkness. And I was like, Oh, that's the one I'm watching now. <laughs> and uh, but then like when they're sitting in the boat and he makes an apocalypse now reference and I'm like, oh, yeah, Hearts of Darkness, because <laughs> that was the original story. And I was like, OK, I get it. <laughs> Mrs. Warboys and Margaret have the same outfits. And she... yeah. And Victor tells Mrs. Warboys, don't ruin your new dress. And she's like, what about my new dress? She's like, if I wore a bunny suit, she would have came in hopping in with the ears on. 
Yeah, no, I would I would recommend you watch that one just to experience it because it's yeah. it's really but after that I wouldn't I wouldn't subject you to any more suffering. I do find it interesting because I've I've listened to the, the podcast and I've looked for the backlog when I for ones I haven't looked at. And um a lot of people have recommended British sitcoms. Mm-hmm. What is it about Doctor Who and the British sitcom connection? Well, a lot of the people we interview are also British. So I, I think part of it is just That's what's not available there. They're cheating. Shame on them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but there's some, if you had said at the very beginning of the podcast, you know, what five shows do you think we're going to cover uh, sooner rather than later? I, I would have bet money on certain ones. No one has suggested The Simpsons, which boggles my mind. Speaking of shows that you know are, are, are rewatchable. Uh, because the it. British love The Simpsons as much as we do, or I should say, did probably about the American public. Yeah, so yeah. It's interesting. Well, yeah, I was yeah. thinking about what was on PBS all the time, stereotypically. Doctor Who, of any exports, Doctor Who, British sitcoms, That's right. EastEnders. So, yeah. has anyone done EastEnders yet? No. no. Well, they need to get on it. <laughs> right, <laughs> folks who are listening to it who are who are going to be future guests, you know, you know, su- suggest those. I mean, I, and that's a beautiful thing about this is there's a lot of shows that I probably wouldn't have watched the show if, if you hadn't suggested it, right? Yeah. So even if I, it's not my cup of tea, I still can say that I've watched it and I have a better appreciation, and it also gives me kind of more cultural references for when I do have folks from the UK yeah. who are coming on to talk about. Them. You have a better appreciation of the uh, things that aren't one foot in the grave. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, too, when, when we first approached you about coming in, I was like, hey, you know, we actually have an open spot in October. And uh, and I was like, you know, maybe something spooky. And you're like, well, it's one foot in the grave. I'm like, ooh, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> I know, Disney and world. I never even put a thought to it. And then when I showed you the episode titles, they all seemed rather sinister. And there right. is a time a sinister streak to the show when they do have... Sometimes, I mean, there's like a heavy dose of surreal and sometimes mysticism, especially. I mean, there's a couple of Christmas episodes that are like, huh? <laughs> and um, it just kind of went right over my head about it. Like, yeah, it is kind of spooky sounding. One foot in the grave, the maelstrom, hearts of darkness, beast in the cage. But most, right, of, them yeah. just, most of them are just describing Victor. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like I did not do anything any research whatsoever onto the show. I just knew what it was title was. I saw the picture of the guy, you know, like you can't judge a program by what it looks like on its menu uh, on, on streaming service. You know, it's like, it could be anything. They'll take a random clip. What's the, what's the photo? I have it on DVD, but is it like the classic photo of him being grumpy face with the cap on? Yes, that's all it is. And it's yeah. Like, oh. I think he's sitting in a car or something. Yeah. So I was like, this could be anything. And it starts, it starts, you know, this this large tortoise comes in and Eric Idle starts singing. Boom, boom, like, boom. What are we in for? <laughs> See, and I told you that the, the credits would throw you off if you had that inkling. You wouldn't think. And it doesn't even kind of fit with the, the show itself in its own way, most episodes. So it, it keeps you it keeps you on your guard. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, are there any projects or conventions that you're going to that you want to plug uh, for any of our listeners or anything that you're involved with that you want to brag about? Nothing really at the moment. It's not been the greatest year for getting any projects done. Yes. Um, <laughs> but no, no, like, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. By and large, um, 
it's funny that business uh, meeting in Ireland was weirdly who related as well, but that won't be anytime soon, more than likely. I mean, I'll be in Chicago. Come say hi right. in Chicago. I'm actually bringing <laughs> my mother to a convention for the oh. first time ever. Wow. The, um, well, one, you know, my grandmother passed early in the year. Right. And it's on Thanksgiving, and I don't want her to be alone at Thanksgiving. And she's met some who people. And for some reason, she has in her mind that meeting Sylvester McCoy would be fun. So <laughs> I, uh, I have to, you know, disillusion of her as quickly as I can on that. <laughs> you know, I, I love Sylvester. But um, so be that. Uh, Gallifrey, of course. I never miss out on Gallifrey. Um, just, I don't know. Nothing big. I haven't really done any writing of recent because, again, that requires free time, concentration, energy, you know, lining of chakras, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Very difficult to align chakras in 2023. It's a real you bad chakra year. You actually shocked me uh, by bringing the Children of Time anthology. I hadn't thought about that in such a line. Did you get me to sign it at <laughs> Who? Yeah. I, uh, sitting on my shelf looking at me, kind of going, oh, you should read me sometime. <laughs> and that was a pleasant surprise i uh yeah. i didn't write anything for the new outside in book like i said i just haven't at the time really to write much of anything um but there'll be something i'm like a bad penny i'm always turning up through dumb luck or circumstance <laughs> <laughs> well we appreciate you turning up on the podcast uh thank you so much for being here well thank you for inviting me and thank you guys for doing what you do Thanks. Everybody loves company. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us in Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixel who. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show at patreon.com slash whoandcompany or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. Hello! Thanks for waking, everyone. It's quite nice out here now. I've just been watching two frogs having sex. <laughs> Help! For God's sake, somebody out there! Help! All tense again now. Going to have to have another Valium. Why you don't take half a dozen at once and put us all out of our misery? <laughs> oh, God. I wish I was dead. I wish you were dead. <laughs> I'd get some peace. They say I might as well face the truth. But I am just too long in the tooth. So I'm an OAP and weak mean. But I'm not yet quite gone to see I may be over the hill Now that I have retired Fading away But I'm 